Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Ready to go. Are we recording now? Yeah, we're all ready. Okay. <laughs> well, we are in for a real treat today, lovely listeners, as I'm joined by British food writer and critic Matthew Fort, who you may know from judging the excellent dishes on the Great British Menu. Matthew has a link to Lancashire, which I'm looking forward to discussing further. But the guests don't stop there, because I'm also joined by Matthew's daughter, Lois, and I'm really excited about this, as the two of them, earlier in the year, started their own podcast, called wait for this thoughts on food so let's get stuck in hello Matthew and Lois how are you doing today <laughs> Hi, Lucy. hello very well thank you so far so good anyway yeah it's been a bit of a roller coaster year one way or the other hasn't it darling I know yeah we started this um launched launched the uh, the podcast at the beginning of the year um and it was just really fun I mean I think more than anything we're just really enjoying it we haven't got we didn't start it with any massive ambitions other than to have a good time no that's definitely what podcasts are about it's such an intimate experience of you know your the listener is often just with their headphones in or cooking or doing the washing up at the same time and it, you get this real um like atmosphere and relationship that you they build with with you guys so it's really interesting and a really good podcast what thank doing. you well I think what we're trying to do is to is to make people feel as if they're just dropping in on a conversation between two people talking about the world's most important topic food it's been quite funny actually with lots lots of friends at the beginning I think they said this to you as well dad said they felt as if they were in a room with us in fact we've got one of my friends um who dad knows very well Claire Lewis said that she when she listened to it for the first time I think she was in the kitchen or in her car she kept she kept going yeah I know yeah yeah I get it because she kind of felt as if she was <laughs> as if we were there with her <laughs> yeah and that's the best type of conversation I think it's really great to have that um so I just want to say it's what an honor it is to have you both on from a Lancashire last let's first of all kind of start by just asking you what you guys had for tea last night go on dad <laughs> Well, to be honest with you, I had I had a, an apple and some cheese because uh, because I had such a large lunch. Dad doesn't really do Sunday night suppers because he eats such a big lunch. However, it was very it was a very special apple, Ashmead's Kernel, which is the greatest of all English apples, uh, and the cheese was also was double Gloucester. Because my belief has always been is that no matter how how elaborately or how simple your food should be, it should be always the best you can get your gnashes into. And what about you, Lois? I had, well, you know my boyfriend rather well, Peter. We, last night, Peter is a bit of a um, yellow label uh, fiend when it comes to supermarket shopping. So we got a, a whole chicken for three quid yellow label yesterday from a supermarket. And we did a roast chicken. Um, which we did differently, actually. We did, Dad, you might be interested in this. We did it in a skillet. Well, well that's the American word, in a in a cast iron pan, um, which was great because it retained all the juices. So we did that and we had it with, well, I had it with tons of veg and Peter, Peter had it with bread and made it into a sandwich because he's from the north and that's what he likes to do. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take the Lancashire boy out of Lancashire. <laughs> You really can't. And Dad, then we after then we made our own chicken stock from the carcass. So Dad's spending the night here tomorrow. You're going to get a risotto with our homemade chicken stock. 
I look forward to that immensely, darling. It'll be as delicious as food always is in your house. Oh, what a compliment. Um, so, Matthew, maybe if we just chat to you for a little bit about how you got into being a, a critic, a, a food judge, and, and what you have to think when you are judging food. Well, all I can say is I, I could tell you the story that happened to me and it is no clue how anybody else could ever become a food writer because it was a piece of pure, pure good fortune. Um, basically, someone said one day said to me in the course of dinner, uh, you seem to know a bit about food, Matthew. I was working in advertising at the time. You seem to know about food, food, Matthew. Would you like to write a column for me in the Financial Times on Saturday? Which is like being tapped on the shoulder when you're kicking the ball around in the park and saying, could you turn out for Manchester United on, on Saturday? Because we're a man short. Uh, and that's how it all began. And then I became food editor of The Guardian. Uh, I gave up advertising. Uh, and then along came television. Uh, and uh, the rest, as they say, is, is <clears throat> history. Is that, is that right, darling? Sounds about right. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, I think luck is the word. But why do you think why do you think he approached you? I mean, they, they you must other than being a writer, there must have been some food interest there. I think I've always read widely about food, and I've always you know, eaten widely about food. I've read and I've thought about it, and I've <clears throat> and I've eaten as widely as my my bank account would possibly allow. Or uh, sorry, wider. I'd argue sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, my bank manager feels very much the same way as you do, darling. Um, and um, and and I, I loved everything about. It. I loved all the background. I loved the idea about the ingredients, where they came from, who grew them, who produced them, why some are better than others, and so and so on. Every aspect of it, because in my view, that virtually every part of human experience ends up on the plate in some way or another, or springs from the plate in some way or another. And so it's a source of endless fascination and curiosity. Uh, also, I came from a, a family which was my father, who was, and this is the, one of the Lancashire connections, uh, my father, who's MP for Clitheroe, was, well, I can only say that I and my three brothers and sister inherited the greedy gene from him. <laughs> and he was he he loved his food and uh and and as a result of which it was always part and parcel of our family background and they just it was not it wasn't fetishized but it was just enjoyed and i think that sometimes we lose track of that connection between food and pleasure exactly and i think you know when you celebrate something you have a meal don't you i mean me and my fiance are just looking at the the food that we'll pick for the wedding and we want it to be a celebration because that's what you do when you have something to celebrate you have a good meal don't you you might go out to a restaurant or someone will cook something you're upset someone might cook you a risotto or you know a nice hearty dish you'll have a glass of wine or a, and a drink and that's kind of where as as humans our celebrations always kind of focus around food don't they is this lucky young man uh, also a Lancashire lad he is, yeah. He's a farmer's <laughs> son. So, so, oh, can you get? Hang on, do you get some meat? Some access to some delicious meat? <laughs> do we always go to the butchers or you know the the farm shops? They're actually a lot more reasonable than you think. On a side note, we had a massive, massive box of fruit and veg, and it was like thirty pound, whereas the supermarket oh. had way more. That is not a side note. That is absolutely central to life. 
isn't it? You know, where you get your food, how much pleasure you get from it, how good it is, how why it tastes, this tastes better than that. Fantastic. And so um, you know, change the, we're, we're going to redirect this, this, this cross-examination. What are you having for your, for your wedding feast? Yeah. Well, it's really hard because you kind of, where we're having the wedding at the, the venue, you have to choose sort of menu A or menu B. And there's three options from menu A. There's three options from menu B. In fact, why don't I, I'll get it up whilst we're talking. Yeah. You can tell me what you'd go for maybe because <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm not 100% sure. But why don't you tell me about your favourite dishes, maybe the two of you, whilst I, I get the options up for this food? Oh, my God, that's a difficult question. Uh I think Dad and I. This comes out in the podcast quite a lot. I think Dad and I have fundamentally probably diff- different uh, um, instinctual inclinations with food. I tend to um, gravitate towards Asian cooking, um, uh, and Dad definitely stays very much within European, French, Italian, you know, and to some extent English. Although I suppose we've adopted all of those. Um, so I think for me, uh, my favourite food would be a sort of a hearty, comforting. Um, East Asian type noodley broth dish, whether it's a pho or a laksa or something like that. I love big thick udon noodles or flat rice noodles. I want some coconut milk, some spice, lots of vegetables, bit of protein. That's probably my my. If, if I if usually most evenings, if someone was going to cook me a meal, that's what I'd want. My favourite dish is the next one. Always the next one. Oh, Dad! Because every time, every time you eat, you know, eat something is is that you know it's a different experience, you know? and so and and I, what I like is variety in different things. I don't want to eat the same thing, you know, day in day out. I don't really have a sort of a favourite dish per se, uh, and I just think, oh, so when I go to Lois and she gives me the you know, Asian food. I think, God, she's really interesting. God, how delicious this is. Um, um, and I hope that when she comes to me, she has the same sort of r- response. Definitely. Um, but, it's, Definitely. It, but it is that sort of keeping your, your mouth and your mind as open, widely open as possible. That seems to me. The- to illustrate that point a bit, Lucy, when I was little, I'll never forget every time we sat down and had a meal. Didn't matter what it was. If it was supper or breakfast or lunch, the first thing dad would say usually after he'd sort of commented on how delicious his cooking was, he would say, um, <laughs> he would say, uh, okay, so what are we having for supper? And I remember my, my mum would be going, Matthew, it's, we're having breakfast. We've, you know, what is he's always thinking ahead to the next, if not the next meal, but the one after that. I think I, get, I have slight sort of fluttering to a panic attack if I don't know where the next meal is coming from, from before I finished eating the one that I've had. For example, I was sitting at breakfast this morning, which was little pieces of toast with um, with local local made butter and jam made from fruits in my garden, some quince jelly and some uh, and and some raspberry jam. Uh, and I was thinking, what can I have for lunch today? And luckily I looked at it and I've got a little pork pie, which is just crying out to be eaten. I think that's so true, though, because <clears throat> I was in Ireland at the weekend in Dublin. And so for the for my lunch, I had fish and chips on the on the ferry across because it was kind of, you know, you can't go wrong with fish and chips. And then at tea, they um they stopped serving really, really early. So it was ridiculously hard to find a restaurant. And the option was fish and chips and and something else. And I, I thought, well, I wish I'd known because I wouldn't have had fish and chips at lunch. I completely messed up my days like 
food but I managed to find something different but I think that's a I don't think there's anything wrong with asking what your next meal is and Lois I guess for you what was it growing what was it like growing up you know did you go to loads of restaurants did you kind of um piggyback on all these sort of experiences your dad had at these really nice restaurants yeah I did I got really lucky I mean when I was um I suppose I only started really going to the restaurants I don't know what do you think was I sort of seven or eight dad when I started coming with you listen you went to your you went to your first really top class restaurant when you were still in a Moses basket okay well there we go I don't remember that one but yeah (laughs) that was dependent thank heavens you weren't able to eat (laughs) (laughs) I um yeah I did I managed to ride on the coattails a bit it was always really fun we used to dad would you know have I think it was a restaurant a week from memory and um we would go uh, you know we'd go to these lovely restaurants and 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 the kind of fun experience would start right from the beginning because dad used to have to book himself into these restaurants under a pseudonym because he couldn't say it was Matthew Fort coming because then of course special treatment and it wouldn't have been a fair judgment so uh dad would book himself in under one name or other he had a whole list of them and Usually, I mean, there's so many occasions where we'd be driving to a restaurant, running late, and I would be in the passenger seat. Dad would hand me his mobile phone and say, please, will you phone the restaurant and just tell them that we're running a bit late? And so I'd sort of pick up the phone and start down and go, oh, hang on, Dad, who, who are you today? I remember one time having to keep a very straight face as I lifted up the phone, as they picked up the phone, and I said, I'm just waiting to tell you that Mr. Bond and his party are running a bit late. <laughs> <laughs> um oh. But no, it was great. It was amazing to be able to do that. But it wasn't, it wasn't always... <laughs> It wasn't always you know, the exotic, rather the sort of fancy restaurants, because you remember our favourite restaurant of all was the Yummy Yummy Noodle Bar. Absolutely, yeah, I mean, which was just a local kind of, you know, cafe where you'd go and get amazing, amazing Asian cooking. Yeah, it was a real mix, and, you know, it's kind of the glamorous ones, I suppose, that people have heard of were not as frequent as you think, but it was just... It was always um, it was always great fun, you know, and you kind of... You'd go to the restaurant, you'd, and when you're reviewing you know dad would really need to think about what he was ordering what I was ordering whoever else was there mom or friends or whatever because what you don't want to have is have a table full of people who've all ordered the same thing so that's always quite fun it's kind of well if you're ordering this I'm going to order this and then you have that none of that and everybody tries each other's food so um it was great fun yeah once you start triggering off these memories they just keep flowing on so I remember once I went to a restaurant with with four with three friends we had a fantastic lunch and at the end of it I when I came to write the review I I've, hadn't made any notes, and I couldn't remember what I'd eaten. So I then rang up each of my friends in turn and said, well, what, 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 can you remember what we ate? They couldn't remember either. So I had to write the review about the food that no one could remember what it was that we did. It actually... You obviously didn't have your trusty notebook with you that no, time, no, that, no. Well, normally what I was, and I, I never made a notes during the, during the meal. I would make notes immediately after, so, after, so no one could see that I was you know, writing things down. But I would take always take a menu. This is one of the tricks. I'd do. Take a menu, uh, and then as soon as I'd got left the restaurant, I'd sit down somewhere and write down just quick you know, little notes against each of the dishes that I'd that I'd that I'd eaten because you know you don't actually when it comes to writing reviews people don't want to have too much detail you know uh, unless they're absolute you know, fanatics uh, and you've got to have that sort of nice judgment between how much you know, how much your audience w- wish to know about the, the the food and also about how much you enjoyed it or not as the case might be do you go to restaurants do you go to restaurants much Lucy yeah, I was just about to say, I must admit, latterly especially, 
I got a much bigger love of food and sort of the experience of going out to restaurants. So I did take Phil for his birthday to Moor Hall in Autumn as a treat for lunch. Um, lunch was all I could afford. And they came and um, to be fair, actually, it was really good value. And, and I just said, look, we're going to have an experience. We're going to a restaurant. Don't complain about the price. Just... <laughs> enjoy the food it's going to be an experience it was so theatrical and I had been before and knew he'd love it so we, we went and um yeah it was so we told them it was his birthday but it was nice they didn't sing or do anything tacky there was just like a written note from Mark and then yeah the food was lovely and, and then the the menus came because you just have your one menu and they said well, you can upgrade to this menu and I said Phil you're not going to upgrade but this menu is lovely that we're going for <laughs> but, um, <laughs> really lovely food there and and kind of sparked the interest. So we try and go to different restaurants where we go. We won't try and go to the same. We have a local we love, but, you know, like really exploring and trying different restaurants. It's a, it's an experience of life, isn't it? That's fun to do. So do you, did you feel that, did he feel that sort of going to more halls sort of opened doors of things to experiences he'd never actually thought of before? Yeah, I mean, when they brought, um, there was like a carrot dish to start and then they bring you, I don't know what it is it's like cold foam that they pour on at the table and he and to be fair one of the only restaurants I've been to where they do things at the table so often per dish you know they'll really mix the sauce on you know and tell you about it and where it's from and everything and he loved that obviously being a farmer's son where's this from where's that from and it all being local Mm. that was a really exciting thing so yeah a lovely restaurant Darling, I think we must go there, don't you? More hall. So I, I must say, I, don't, I haven't been there. So this is on the list. Done. Funny enough, more uh, the uh, Mark. He he is a, a, a graduate both of Long Clume, if I remember rightly, um, Simon Reagan's great restaurant, oh. and also of the Great British Menu. Ah. Uh, came through. Came through there. Yes. Okay, well, that's on the list. Maybe when we go up to go and see Lancaster University to do, we're going to go around where Dad was educated. Maybe we can go there. Well, I think I, yes. I mean, my my connection with 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 Lancashire goes back. Well, I say my the forts originally came from Lancashire, from around from Reed near near Clitheroe, uh, and <clears throat> and my father was MP for Clitheroe for ten years, uh, and I then spent three years at Lancaster University. So I feel that I'm, really, I, I'm an honorary Lancastrian, and also partly by blood as well, uh, and it's a part of the world which I've always. <laughs> I always loved it. It was always, you know, it was Lancashire Cricket Club. That was the end. That was the club for me. It, in the good old days, it was of Lord Charleston and Best. It was Manchester United, the only team for me. Uh, and I even now, more recently, got a tremendous interest in 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 um, in rugby league, which, is, which takes you out into St Helens and and Wigan and Widnes and so I yes, it's it's a it's a part of the world which is very very close to my heart. Yeah, that's lovely to hear. Um, let's sidetrack back to the wedding menu so you can choose, tell me what. You oh yes. Oh yes, I'm excited. So to start, you can have goat's cheese fritter with beetroot, pickled shallots, and balsamic. Smooth chicken liver parfait with apple jelly and brioche. Sweet potato and red pepper soup with savoury granola. Potted ham and chicken terrine with focaccia croutons and spice piccalilli. Or roast vine tomato soup with smoked chicken and basil. 
Well, <sighs> I'm going beetroot and goat's cheese, first one. Okay. Classic, a classic combination, or rather a quite a contemporary classic combination. I don't think it had seen the light of day until Jason Atherton served it up at a restaurant called May's in London. Um, I uh, hmm, presumably some of your guests will be vegetarian, so you've yeah. got to have a you've got so to have a, they, a, yeah, a they'll get a different Actually, you could have the first one. You could have the first option, couldn't you? Um, I see the the chicken liver parfait. Knew you were going to say that. Everybody loves chicken liver. That smooth, luxuriant, velvety creaminess as it sort of flows over the tongue. Little crunch from the brioche, and a little sharpness of the jelly. I can see that working terribly well. I must say, so I also I like the idea of the of the terrine as well. Yeah, so do I. That sounded lovely. Sounds so. Yeah. Okay. So to follow, there's roast chicken with smoked garlic mash, slow cooked vegetables, and thyme jus. Roast loin of pork with bubble and squeak potato cake, green beans, apple chutney and cider gravy. Salmon with chilli and basil, crushed new potatoes, cream leeks and saffron. And wild mushroom and mascarpone arancini with cherry tomatoes and roast courgettes. Oh, well, for me, you say the word mushroom and I'm, I'm, I've fallen in love already. So the arancini for me or probably the pork. I think for, for, for a collection of, of farmers... Uh, young farmers and their uh, and their wives and girlfriends. I think pork is probably probably the most satisfactory. Um, uh, I think the arancini also. I, I would go for that as the vegetarian option. Chicken would be, would be would be nice, but you wouldn't then have the ham and you probably wouldn't have the chicken liver parfait as the first course. Of that. Mm. So it's a matter of, of of perming the various elements. I mean, are you choosing one of each or are you choose two of each? So you have to choose one of each. And um, yeah, I, I mean, in my head, when I thought about sort of the wedding, I kind of wanted these big sharing platters and kind of charcuterie. Mm-hmm. But the venue, obviously, they don't, you can't have everything at venues, can you? you right. Choose the venue or the, the food or anything. So this, this is what we've gone for. Um, dessert, let's quickly just baked New York cheesecake with cherry compote, sticky toffee pudding with butterscotch sauce and vanilla pod ice cream, banoffee tart with caramel sauce, Mango, lime, and passion fruit delice, I think you say, no. or chocolate honeycomb cheesecake. Well, two cheesecakes or a whole lot of other incredibly sweet, buttery deliciousness on every, every other dish. Uh, darling, what about you? Which one would you go I for? Just, I mean, I just think when I go up, I mean, I'm not a massive pudding person, but when I go up north and I do have a pudding, it's got to be sticky toffee. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be sticky toffee. Can't say no. But they're, they're also the mango one sounded quite nice and fresh as well. Yeah, something fresh to cleanse the palate, maybe. Sticky mm. toffee pudding, which was first got its great popularity in the Lake District, so not exactly Lancaster, but it is pretty close. So I would go for that. Banoffee is a, a Scottish dish, uh, and on that basis, I would rule it out. So I would also <laughs> go for the sticky toffee pudding, or I think the. Delice might be, which is a sort of ice cream, essentially, and I think that would be. But on, listen, you want you want that lovely sugar rush, don't you, from from um, from sticky toffee pudding? I mean, you can't go wrong. Well, there we go, menu sorted. <laughs> 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 well, I'm not sure about that. A few ideas, anyway. Definitely. Um, Let's move on to the podcast, as this is something really exciting that um, 
Lois, your boyfriend, told me about. Um, and so, yeah. so I immediately went on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get your, you know, it's on everywhere and had a listen. And it is really, really good. There's something special about a father-daughter conversation just being recorded and, and open. Um, how did you decide to start the podcast and, and why? Well, I'm not, do you know what, be really honest, I'm not sure either of us can quite quite remember where it started we um it just sort of we it, it, I don't know it just sort of came up as a and a, a kind of a finger in the air idea at one point and then we we ruminated on it for about I'd say for at least 12 months before we actually hit the button right dad well I've always maintained this the legend is that it actually is one of the many benefits of, of the first lockdown mm. which I hate to say I really enjoyed but Lois and I we you know, we always talk to each other and uh, every week we'd chat away and I'd ring up her and any and there'd be you know and, and nothing ever happened during the lockdown that was the trouble okay. any news darling no no news dad you've got any news dad no no news darling <laughs> and then and then there'd be a little pause and what are you having for supper because that was the one sort of active part of the mm. day and so we started talking about food and why she was doing this and why I was doing that and and it sort of grew out of that um and I, I think that I wanted to, I don't want to say it was, it was my thing, but it was, um, I just thought, gosh, this is really nice. It's really lovely conversations that we we had over a subject matter, which we both feel passionately about. Mm, absolutely, yeah. And then, and then it sort of just came up, really, and it yeah. just emerged, like all the nicest things. And I mean, the name, let's just talk about quite possibly the most clever name I have ever heard or seen for a podcast it's thoughts on food well it was it, it was one of two options it was either going to be thoughts on food or food yeah. for thought uh equally your surname is just ideal for a sort of a take on the word thought and when i started oh just so good so how long did that take like to come up with? was that kind of always quite an easy well, easy thing. we have to be honest here, Dad, because you'd already coined this slightly because your um, blog that you used to have that is no longer very active is called Fort on Food. Uh, so it was sort of a take on that. And then we thought about food for thought and blah, blah, blah. And then we kind of, you know, threw it out there to a few friends to see which they preferred. But I think ultimately we just, yeah, we liked Fort on Food pretty, best. Pretty much. It just seemed to be so neat and and it, it said what it was on the packet, wasn't mm. it? It was just, you know, it was two thoughts talking about food, and that was it. You know, dad and daughter was a sort of sus subscript, but uh, or rather, that was the image on the on the sort of uh, on the, on the, whatever mm. what we call it. What do you call that thing that appears at the front? I was thinking it was just the. I think. <laughs> God, God knows. I think, We're not very professional podcasters. I don't know the image. Like the, thumb, the thumbnail. The thumbnail. Thumbnail. There we go. Thumbnail. I think of it as a record sleeve, you see. It shows, shows my age, doesn't it? <laughs> and so you had a very successful season one. You're currently recording season two. Why don't you tell me when that's out and maybe a few sneak peek guests that are on it? It is out mm. next uh, Wednesday. It's next week. It's next week, yeah. Go on, Wednesday next week. Go on, yeah. almighty. I must, I must get my mind around that. Um, yes, it's. Uh, we thought you know, the first one was dad and daughter, and we thought that worked really well. 
And there's, there's quite a lot of dad and daughter in the, in the new series, but we thought it would be very nice to have a few friends mm. along, you know, dad, daughter and friends. And so our first friend is... Well, actually, we haven't released the order yet, so we can just say who's coming on the... We've got, we've got four guests okay. coming in season two. We're sort of alternating. We're doing uh, eight episodes again, and it starts with one, just, just me and dad, and then we'll alternate until the end. Um, so the four guests that we've got this season are Prue Leith, uh, who was a fellow uh, Great British Menu judge with Dad. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Matt Tebbett, who actually we are recording with tomorrow, um, and he fronts Saturday Kitchen. Uh, and actually was also an ex-television colleague of mine from Market Kitchen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Max. Oh, Max. Yes, yeah, sorry, Max Max Fosh. Um, he, he's um, um, actually the son of a, of a friend of mine, and he's, well, what do you call him, darling? I mean, he's a YouTuber. <laughs> he's a YouTuber. He's a YouTuber. But he seems to be more than that. He's a, he, had a, uh, he has a sort of um, a tangential relationship with food, but he has done some very funny uh, YouTube films, um, little videos. Um, and, uh, and I thought he was, you know, again, he would open up a whole new area of discussion, which indeed he, he did or has done. And then the last one is Heston Blumenthal, which was um, which was a, which was a very interesting recording day. He's a great friend of Dad's, and he came onto the podcast. and We asked him; he said he'd be delighted to, but he wanted to bring with him a friend of his who is called Mark Thomas, and he is the head of um, professor, professor of, head professor, professor of evolutionary genetics at the University of London at UCL. And we had a really, I think the only word to describe it is a mind-blowing day with them recording. <laughs> it, it will not be what anybody expects to hear from Heston Blumenthal. Um, and it was great fun. And it's so funny, our producer who's in the middle of editing is having a, is having a, a very interesting professional challenge to get this into, into succinct format. And I think actually when it comes to the week that we uh, launch that one it will probably end up being three half an hour episodes because there's so much content yeah. um but anyway that, that is that, that we've just mentioned those in no particular order so we, we watch this space for uh, mm. the, the, the right order in which they appear these guests but it is every other every other week every other week for a so guest we- yeah exactly and what's it like i guess lois you know as you, you said you've you've grown up with your dad and you've going to these restaurants to now sort of do this very digital like podcasts are still very current to do that and make these memories. And, you know, you will always have these conversations to hear back on. What's that like for you? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, that was the, my big takeaway after we finished season one and we then, and then when it came out and we listened to it and I just thought I was just overwhelmingly, um, my sense was how amazing to have this recorded with my dad that I'll be able to listen to forever and, you know, hopefully children and grandchildren can listen to. I mean, it's, you've kind of, it's like immortalizing a relationship in a way. And I think actually made me think about going away. And just sometimes when I spend time with my mum, just having a phone going and recording, because I think, I think you can take for granted someone's voice and how you interacted. And I just think it's, it's a, such an amazing thing to, to, to be able to keep. It's really, really precious. Oh, darling, that's a sweet thing to say. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> that's true. Well, I mean, I think this can go much further. You could tour, you could go to Asia and do sort of video podcasts of this. You could go 
you could go to you could go to Lancashire and you could go to and, you know try some food there. You could do all these like food tours and like a series of of things from that. So honestly, it's been such a privilege to chat to you today. Um, why don't you sign off the podcast in your usual way? <laughs> uh, well, we usually sign it off by something along the lines of "What are you about to eat?" No, I tell you what, no, I'm going to revert. I tell you how we sign off. The new podcast, we sign off with our guests in a in a different way. Every guest gets asked the same question. So we'll sign it off and we'll ask you. Yeah. Go. What, what is your dirty dish? Which is your kind of your sort of secret comfort food. Maybe there's a little bit of judgment you get from people wrongly, but, you know, it's just your kind of maybe behind closed, closed doors. It's your go-to dish. When no one's looking. Yeah. Um, boiled egg with toast with marmalade on, and then I then put the egg yolk on the marmaladed toast. Wow. <laughs> you what? No, no judgment. No judgment. When you hear what mine is, you'll realise judgment. Judgment's gone out the window. <laughs> Sounds fabulous. <laughs> right very quickly what's what's yours very quickly cheese strings nice and matthew <laughs> cold baked beans out of a tin with a silver spoon <laughs> and salt he puts extra salt on them <laughs> oh well thank you so much and thoughts on food is back next wednesday so make sure to listen in thank you both thank you thanks lucy thank you thanks lucy Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.